We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Santa Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, and we're here to break down the Indiana-Iowa game from last weekend. Uh, We'll rip that Band-Aid off quickly uh, and then get into uh, Indiana's home opener against the Idaho Vandals on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. down in Bloomington at Memorial Stadium. Uh, TJ, not the way you wanted to start the season, uh, but how are you doing? Yeah, personally doing just fine. Uh, you know, football-wise, certainly, uh, I think attempting to kind of unpack uh, what it happened in Kinnick Stadium. Um, you know, we're, we'll get into it here in a minute, but, I mean, on one hand, you can rationalize it as you look at the statistics and you look at what you would expect, you know, if that game got played 10 times, what that score would have been, and it would have been much closer than 34 to six. And that can be true. And then you can also, you know, look at the other perhaps pessimistic side of it and say, man, um, that was about, yeah, it it was as uh, poorly as you could have imagined that going. Um, so I, again, uh, attempting to kind of put this game into perspective, uh, because it is just the first of 12 regular season contests, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that we as a, as a podcast and as a site are typically, um, you know, perhaps a bit on the optimistic side. Um, I, I would not consider us homers necessarily, but. Yeah, we've been called both this week, TJ. Sure. Yeah, and but I, I don't think no matter where you fall, I don't think that you can paint this as anything other than an incredibly discouraging uh, week one performance. Yeah, and that's that's exactly exactly right. And you know, we've been called homers. We've also said, you know to our power rankings. I think we had an IU 11th in the Big Ten, and, and that somebody dropped a vulgar response to that and said that we were a bit dramatic in our drop. But, um, yeah, it was about as bad of a, a, a start for IU as you can imagine. Uh, you know, the, the defense gets gashed for a 56-yard play on, on a – they weren't aligned right on, on the run um, – you know, Iowa had overloaded that right side. Uh, Reese Taylor took a bad angle and lost the edge, but they weren't, IU wasn't aligned right 
uh, coaches didn't see it in time, uh, you know, and you don't really want to take a timeout with, you know, 30 seconds into the game to, to fix an alignment. But it was, as Coach Warren said today, a catastrophic run, and those can't happen. Um, and it was, a you know, a, on the side of the ball that was supposed to be the veteran side of the ball with a lot of guys returning, a lot of experience, that just – it shouldn't have happened. And it wasn't like Iowa was in a funky lineup. They had two tight ends to the right side. It's like that's typical Iowa. So it's – but, you know, the defense, I thought, recovered well after that. Uh, they played well enough to win. The You know, after that touchdown, that place was rocking early. I mean, it was – it's a, always a tough place to play at Kinnick. But, you know, we, we said it last week on the podcast, TJ, it's – how you're handling that first five minutes and IU uh, did not do well in the first two. They were down 14, nothing. I, you know, and and Penix denied being overwhelmed, but you know, his head was swimming. He's, I don't know what's going on with him. His mechanics are all out of whack. He dropped the, you know, whether or not it was at the mesh point or not on, on, on a, a weird fumble, incomplete pass, non-intentional grounding play, um, you know, that looked like you, you just shake your head and you go, what was that? And the next play, um, you know, the pass goes off of DJ Matthews. And, and I unfortunately have we rewatched the first half now. Um, and that play on DJ with DJ Matthews, Penix went to the line of scrimmage, either to chain, change the play or, or – give the signals uh, dj matthews is, is kind of looking around i don't it seems like he did not know what the audible was or couldn't hear it he kind of looked confused uh he stumbles out of his route the ball goes off his shoulders and and you know 10 seconds later it's 14 nothing iowa and, yeah you know you hate to say the game was over in 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 the first two minutes uh but you know in my rapid reaction i said the second pick six sealed it but that right there was probably um all she wrote for IU they you know and the, the offense all the questions that we needed to have answered and answered well weren't you know the, the answers weren't what IU fans wanted to, to hear or see uh, the offensive line struggled and yeah the two starters were out and you know, we learned this a couple minutes before the game um, when they're announcing the starting lineups on, on the radio, uh, you know, that, that kind of changed the way I felt about the game too. I know I, I thought IU would, would come out victorious in this game, but you're down Luke Haggard and you're down Zach Carpenter and they had been working all fall camp with a different lineup and things like that. So, you know, right. what are, let's, what are let's your, unpack that. let's unpack yeah. that a little bit because I, I think that people, Kind of, this is not an attempt to say, well, this is why they lost. No, no. They, those guys could have started and IU would have lost. I'm, I'm not attempting to make this argument. However, let's go in to this game. The anticipated offensive line starters were going to be Caleb Jones, Dylan Powell at left guard, Zach Carpenter at center, right guard of Matthew Bedford, and right tackle of Luke Haggard. 
you lose Luke Haggard, left tackle, or I'm sorry, right tackle, and you lose Zach Carpenter at center. You slide over Matt Bedford back to tackle, which is what he played for some of last year and struggled. He's a better fit at guard, it appears. You lose Zach Carpenter, so you slide Dylan Powell over from guard to center. So you're essentially changing four-fifths of your offensive line, at least the positions that those individuals are going to play, plus two of the individuals themselves. That that does have a massive impact on the offense's ability to succeed in a difficult environment like that. So you can call that an excuse. You can call that a reason. I think it is a partial explanation. Now, the players that played are on scholarship. Some of them are very experienced, and they performed very poorly. So I do not view that as an excuse to excuse why Indiana played the way that they did on offense. It is a partial explanation, and it's something to consider as we attempt to evaluate the remainder of this season. The hope is that I would not, based on what what we're hearing, I would not expect uh, both of them to be back for the Iowa game or for the Idaho game necessarily. I think there is a hope that they can play against Cincinnati. Um, but you, you, you want to get those five that they planned on playing. You want to get them back on the field at the same time so that we can actually have a, you know, uh, a conversation about how the offensive line actually is because, you know, like it or not, uh, I think that Darren Hiller, the offensive line coach, you know, his position is one that uh, is up for evaluation for sure. Um, And it's not fair to judge him as a coach um, until we can see a few games with the actual planned offensive line on the field. Um, Now, that being said, the biggest concern moving forward for the Indiana Hoosiers is twofold. It's the offensive line and how they can protect Michael Penix and then what Michael Penix can do when he has the ball. Um, Look, if Michael Penix plays close to the way that he did against Iowa, IU is not going to a bowl game and they will struggle to win very many games at all. Um, You're you're just not going to beat teams when you have a quarterback uh, throwing the ball as inaccurately and as, erratically as Michael Pinnock did on Saturday. Uh, He was overthrowing almost everything. And when you throw it high, that's as bad as a position as you can put your receivers in. And that is as bad a position as you can put your team in because when you throw it high, it gets tipped and it gets picked off or it sails over the, the receiver and you're lucky that it falls incomplete because it's so far out of play that it goes out of bounds or it gets picked off. Uh, you just you cannot put the ball where he did. He was lucky to only have three interceptions, and that's the that's the biggest concern for the Hoosiers moving forward. Is what do you do on offense? And we can criticize Nick Sharon. I thought the game plan was uncreative. Uh, I thought that they lacked adjustments. Uh, when they did fall behind and when it's clear Mike was struggling. Um, but I, I don't care what you're calling. 
you're not going to be successful with that type of quarterback play. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. And nobody's going to, you know, coaches are not going to get fired after one game um, and, and things like that. So it's not like it's people are calling for Nick Sheridan's head and Darren Hiller's head. It's not going to happen, you know, the middle of the season. Um, it's just not. I thought my my biggest concern, you know, they I forgot who was on the sideline for for BTN, um, but they they said something that it, that it was concerning about the offensive line. You know that Iowa was beating them off the snap and getting into the backfield, and it was. You know, well, it's not a big deal that they're getting into the backfield, but let's try and push them around the other side of the backfield. And that, to me, um, I, 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 that to me is like, wow, you either have no confidence in your offensive line um, or they're just not good enough to do that. Uh, so it's, it's bad. You had Caleb Jones, I think, had three penalties or four penalties, two false starts, a holding call. It just, um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't inspiring. Uh, I thought the game plan from the offensive side of the ball was, and I'm not going to pull punch, was terrible. Uh, they, you know, they, it was the same run up the gut. Um, they didn't. They rarely took a deep shot. They didn't get Peyton Hendershot the ball enough. They didn't, you know, get Penix in in rhythm uh, enough early, uh, and things like that. And yeah, they're down fourteen nothing, and and you kind of go into panic mode uh, and and things like that. But it's it's uh, it just wasn't. There was no creativity. There was no imagination. You couldn't get your playmakers the ball in space you know you had it, it was and at least in the bowl game you had the excuse of hey you had five practices or you know whatever you, your team got destroyed by covid and you couldn't practice so it's hard to install stuff but there there's no excuse you had a full spring and yeah michael Penix was out for it um but you had a full fall and, and according to everybody who's been down there he was full go in, in, in fall camp. So it's, it's, it's proving the doubters right, which I think is the worst thing that Indiana football could have done yesterday. You had all these folks bought in uh, and they set it up to be the, the Super Bowl and Indiana came out and did nothing. Or, you know, it was less than nothing. It was the worst possible outcome for Indiana football. Um, I thought they should have pulled Michael Penix earlier uh, and given, and then when you had Jack Tuttle in there, it was too late in the game. They basically had packed it in. Um, the running back rotation, TJ, you pointed out during the game, didn't really. Uh, inspire anybody i like stephen carr i like tim baldwin i thought chris childers um ran hard but on your third play of the game uh, you have davion Irvin poindexter in at at running back you're, you're kind of tipping your hand that you're going to pass it uh and, and things like that so 
it, it it's all concerning on offense. But my biggest concern is 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 Penix and how long are you going to stick with him? If look, he's coming off ACL surgery in November. He's made a very quick quick recovery, so it's that's what I'm looking at for for Idaho. Is is can he get back on track? And then if he can't, how long does the staff go with Penix before saying, you know, Jack Tuttle or, or even Donovan McCulley give us the best chance to win? Because you're right. If you have the Penix that we saw Saturday play the majority of the season for IU, you're not beating Michigan State. You're not beating Rutgers. And you're probably not beating Maryland. And you might or not Minnesota. beat or Minnesota or Purdue. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're looking – you're staring down the barrel. And I, I said this on, on Twitter yesterday. Uh, somebody brought up – I think it was Assembly Call – brought up that they were embarrassed because it brought down the ceiling of Bayou football. But it didn't. We know what the ceiling of this team is. When Michael Penix is right, they could be go toe-to-toe with anybody in the conference. But we didn't know that, you know – you kind of shook off what Michael Penix looked against Maryland last year and said, well, he looked hurt. He looked banged up. And then he ultimately blew out his ACL uh, for a second time, but you didn't think this was a thing. Uh, You know, he recovered against Penn state uh, and played well in the last five minutes. and, And that covered up a lot of his issues that game. But the floor of Michael Penix is playing dropped. And that yeah. I, I think the the floor of this team, instead of going, okay, you know, even if you get an okay Penix, you're gonna win six, seven games. You know, with the way other teams performed during week one and how Penix performed in week one, I think the floor dropped out from this team. And it's the it, the the range of outcomes has expanded. So just a disappointing game. Uh, let's turn the page. But before we do, TJ, let's get a word from our friends over at Spotify Green Room. Unfortunately, we couldn't use Spotify Green Room in Iowa because pregame, their internet stinks. Um, Spotify, uh, Spotify Green Room is a free social media-based uh, app. It's live audio only sports talk platform, free to download and to use. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in, in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Uh, we did have a pre game and post game show, but it was not on Spotify Greener. Um, so, TJ, going to Idaho, uh, they yeah, beat. Yeah, go ahead. I do want to point out. I do want to point out one, a couple of, of positives. Uh, just we give give both sides here. I, I think uh, the defense does. They were not perfect on Saturday, but they were good enough to win a game at Iowa if your offense performs. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at the Rutgers defense, four point four yards to carry for Iowa. That's a little higher than you'd like to see if you find a way to eliminate that explosive 56 yard play, you're looking at 2.9, uh, which is much better. You know, that would be a very good day for the IU rush defense, particularly when Iowa was running the ball quite a bit. Uh, that would have been 35 carries for 102 yards without that 56 yard carry. 
Now, you obviously can't do that. You have to eliminate that explosive play. But, um, you know, I, I think that the, the defense showed some good things, um, still showed that they can be a, a very good unit. My opinion of the defense did not change. Uh, and I was encouraged by the play of two individuals in particular. Uh, one is Raheem Lane, which there was a lot of doubts and questions about him uh, at the safety position. I thought he performed very admirably, uh, had a good first week. And Ryder Anderson, the transfer from Ole Miss uh, with two sacks, he looked like a legitimate pass rusher for the Hoosiers. Uh, I think he'll be a good contributor for IU all year. So, you know, important to point out, there were some good things that happened on Saturday. Now, that is definitely overshadowed by the, you know, performance on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, you know, the, the early mistake by the defense, it, that's overshadowed, totally understood. Um, but I do think it's important to remember, we know that IU still has a very good defense, and they showed that for the most part on Saturday. So um, that, that's something that they can at least, you know, look to build on from week one as opposed to the offense, which is kind of hitting the reset button and, and reevaluating everything, I think. Yeah, you know, you look at Weston Kramer as well, uh, played very well. And then Charles Campbell's been automatic um, as the IU kicker. Uh, James Evans had a great second half, although he was very overwhelmed in the first half. It did contribute to, you know, a touchdown and and a a field goal, I think, or, um, you know, poor field position off of punts. But in the second half, he was booming balls. Uh, and he, he'll learn the nuances of the, of the American game as well. But yeah, that's yeah. the first game ever of any yeah. kind. So I, I was totally scored seven. I was scored 17 points off of turnovers. Uh, and any time that your offense is going to give give the other team 17 points, it's going to be very difficult to win. I just think people are discouraged just based on how the offense have played because you're not going to win games no matter how well your defense plays, you're not going to win game six, nothing. It's just not going to happen. Um, and it maybe over. it was over in the first it, minute, two minutes. Yeah, before you had a chance to feel good about anything, it just soured the entire day. Yep. You, know, you did not have a chance to feel good about any part. There was an opportunity near the end of the first half. I used down 21 to three. You get a turnover. Cam Jones rips the ball out and recovers it. Good play by him. Um, you know, you had played well on defense for a couple of series. You got the turnover. You had the ball at midfield. It's like, all right, we can score, and we get the ball at the end of the uh, at the start of the second half. No, it's gone as bad as it can, and we, we would still be down 21 to hit the ball to start the second. Maybe there's something there. But next play, second pick six for Riley Moss. That's, I mean, that's it. That's all she wrote. So yeah, that that was uh, the game. So never had any actual positive momentum, Um, and you know we shockingly go into week two against Idaho, still looking for anything to really feel good about. Which is, uh, I I don't think that any of us, even the most pessimistic of us. Uh, saw that coming at all. You know, we, we turned the page to Idaho. They are 1-0, uh, an FCS opponent for Indiana. 
they beat Division II Simon Frazier uh, 68 to nothing in week one. Simon Frazier is apparently a Division II school in Canada, uh, the only Canadian team to play uh, NCAA football. Um, you know, that's about all I know about them. Uh, it's more than we know, know about than Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> they That's actually true. exist. Yeah. They do so. appear to exist. Uh, they they scored as many points on offense as uh, or as many touchdowns as IU did. So you know they got that going for them as well. Uh, statistics from Idaho, things to look at. We're not going to sit here and pretend like we know anything about Idaho to give you a scouting report. That would be disingenuous on our part. Uh, you know, when possible. We do the work, and when we tell you about a team, you know, it's from our actual observations. Uh, We can't do that with Idaho. Um, What we can tell you, uh, they they had a strong running game uh, based on their statistics. They had a really strong running game. And, you know, their defense got a shutout against another team that's trying to score. So that tells you they're competent on that side of the ball, uh, and they had at least a strong running game. They rotated quarterbacks and – um, you know, we'll see what they do. Saturday's about Indiana. It's yeah, about they, Michael Penix coming out and establishing something positive. He needs to play well uh, to for Indiana to feel even remotely confident going into the game against Cincinnati. Yeah, and Idaho, they, they played at least – you know, 26 different guys recorded attack, at least one tackle. They, you know, they got everybody that they could get into the game, into the game. It was true. It was one of these true, um, you know, kind of warm up games for them. Uh, they, they did rotate quarterbacks, CJ Jordan and Mike Beaudry, who we've seen um, play uh, at, at UConn. They combined for 277 yards, um, their quarterbacks who run to uh, they, they finished with, with, you know, it, it was their, their largest win since I think 1923. So, and the most points they've scored since 1994. So I, as, as much as you go into this game thinking I use going to win, you, you kind of got to be aware of Idaho. Uh, and, you know, you, if you play, if Michael Penix plays like he did against Iowa, this game's going to be closer than it should be. Um, you know, Idaho has a, has a good, uh, football history and, you know, they're going to, they're going to come in wanting to, to put their best foot forward as well. Um, should they win the game? No. And should IU win this game by 40 points? If they come out and play angry, like the way they should. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, TJ. It's for me, it's looking, can the, can the offensive line get into sync? I don't think you see, uh, especially with Cincinnati up next. I don't think you see Haggard or Zach Carpenter unless they're fully 100%. Um, It sounds like Devin Matthews is going to be out. Uh, He stayed overnight in the hospital in in Iowa. Uh, Apparently, he's coming back to Bloomington um, with his mom. Tom Allen said today that his mom was up there with him in, in Iowa, and they're coming back. Uh, so, you know, Jot Sanguinetti um, filled in well. I th- it's it's a get-right game for Indiana. And so I want to see the offensive line play well. 
I want to see Michael Penix get into rhythm. And, you know, he – the big question for me is if he does not get into the rhythm at halftime, when yeah. does Jack – you know, when do you put Jack Tuttle in? Um, and also, if he is in rhythm by halftime and I use up by 30 points, you've got to put Tuttle in. Uh, you don't want to risk getting Penix hurt, uh, especially if you could fix his – mechanics i mean it's like a i likened it to you know a pitcher who's going through some mechanical issues and is getting drilled do you let him pitch through it or do you take him out and see if somebody else could get you a better chance to win and you work on those fundamentals you know in practice and and on the side and and try to get it later but game reps are invaluable so Maybe that's it. I want to see the run game get going as well. Um, and, and I these the two transfer receivers, TJ, I thought struggled against Iowa with, you yep. know, route running, communication, things like that. Uh, they need to get they need to get going. And I'd like to see this should be an empty the bench game. I'd like to see some of these young receivers. This is the game you play those freshmen who, you know, you're looking at, at four four games. And then I you also have to think Donovan McCulley's got to play this game too because they're going to need him this season. And there's no reason to redshirt him. Um, he looked great in warm-ups. Uh, he's looks fully developed in terms of, of body type as well. So uh, what, what are your main takeaways going into the, the game on Saturday? I mean, the initial things you're going to look for is, and look, I, I'm I'm going to say for the entire offense as a whole, uh, they need success, and I, I don't care what that entails. I don't care if that means you get creative with the game plan when you hadn't planned on it for Idaho. Um, yeah. You do whatever you need to do as an offensive staff to get points on the board early and often for Indiana because they need to feel good about themselves uh, and need to build confidence heading into a very tough game against Cincinnati. Uh, you cannot have a lackluster or even just deep performance on Saturday against Idaho. You have to play very well. And uh, that's going to be my, my primary thing to watch for. My secondary thing to watch, just the defense continuing to play well, but eliminating that explosive play, plus a couple uh, of longer pass completions to Iowa's tight end. Um, you know, they were able to get a couple of those. I think he had like 80, what was it, uh, 83 yards from Laporta, uh, including a couple of 20-plus yarders. So cutting those types of plays out, uh, I think, is going to be the goal for the defense. Um, you know, Tom Allen talked about wanting his defense to be able to, quote, take over games when the offense is struggling. That's, that's a very noble goal. Um, and I, I think that you would like to see a little bit more uh, disruption in the opposing backfield against Idaho than what you got against Iowa. That means a few more tackles for loss, 
um, you know, maybe a, a, another couple sacks, maybe somebody besides the writer Anderson gets into the act on that. Um, so you're looking for, for that. And then the, the third thing that, that I am looking for is going to be specific to Michael Penix. Uh, and it is going to be, you know, his, I'm not a quarterback expert. I just am able to, like anybody else, look at the results of, of a pass. Is he on target or is he overthrowing? And I, I think that whether that's a not trusting his knee yet, and that is impacting his, his follow through or his mechanics, whether that is a mental thing, whether it was too amped up and he was overthrowing and couldn't adjust, I don't know. Um, but certainly very interested to see how his throws look on Saturday. Uh, and I, I'm with you that the coaches have a plan going into this game. How long do we give Mike in a good way with, hey, he got in a rhythm. We got success. He had, you know, four scoring drives in the first half. And we feel real comfortable with our lead at halftime. Awesome. Ideal situation. He feels better about things. We feel better about things. We get him out. Macaulay and Tuttle play the second half a win. Great. That's ideal. You also have to have a plan on the negative side. If he turns it over a few times, the offense is struggling to score against Idaho. How do you let that go before you acknowledge that you've got a problem and do something about it? Uh, I certainly hope it's the first. We know the talent's there, and Mike has been through a whole lot and deserves to have some success. Um, hopefully, that's going to be the case on Saturday uh, against Idaho, and, and we'll look back later on in this season. As I, I think that it's very possible that Iowa cruises to the West Division title and is 11 and 1 at the end of the season. I think that's really possible. I think they have a dynamite defense, a good offensive line. I'm not very impressed with their passing game or with Spencer Petras, but I think they've got the goods to win the West uh, and might do so kind of easily looking at the other teams in that division. Um, You know, we could look around at them and they're 11-1, and IU has already experienced the low point of their season, and the, the coaches and players are able to use it as a motivating tool to keep them focused the rest of the season. We'll see. That could happen. But we have to see on Saturday from the entire team a level of focus and intensity uh, that, you know, belies how urgent it is to get this corrected because this thing can get away very, very, very quickly. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And you have to, there's decisions that may or may not have to be made and you hope that you know one of the things looking at at the the quarterback position you know do you how, how's the locker room going to react if you pull Penix um and is, are you going to lose the locker room uh but it seems like you know Jack Tuttle he I mean he warrior his way through the end of the the Wisconsin game he he played the bowl game with a, a sh- shoulder separation. 
um, and, and, and things like that. So I think he's earned the respect of his teammates too. Um, and he's, you know, he's not a slouch at quarterback. Um, it's not like, it's not like you're bringing Nate Boudreaux or Xander Diamant or Danny Cameron or, you know, uh, Graham McFarland or, you know, name your backup Indiana quarterback from the past. It's a former four-star recruit who, who went into Wisconsin and, and made some good throws and, and won a game. And, you know, had he been 100% healthy in the pole game, I think Indiana wins that game. Um, so, you know, you have an option there. So what it's, you know, the window is only going to be open for so long. Uh, and, you know, according to some fans, it's closed already. You know, within the first two minutes of the first game of the season, you know, fans are done. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. And I, I'm interested to see the fan turnout on Saturday because this team, you know, for the past two years, uh, you know, they, they won 14 games. They'd won 11 games in the Big Ten, uh, which was, a, I believe, second or third most uh, over the last two years before this year. Uh, they they yeah. deserve the support. And, you know, you have fans on, on social media saying, is it basketball season yet? This is why we don't like football and, and things like that. So it, it'll be interesting who shows up on Saturday. And I know it's a lesser opponent, but it's a night game. The weather's supposed to be fantastic. Um, you know, it, it's you're, you're there to see Indiana play. You're not there to see Idaho play um, and, and things like that. So, you know, IU does have to perform well. And there's a lot of things you got to get James Evans used to kicking in front of a crowd. That's, you know, you hope you're not punting too much this game, but if you could get James Evans, a few punts, you got to figure out your kick coverage. Um, and you got to figure out Jared Smoller. You know, he had a kick out of bounds. He had a couple kicks that were short. Uh, you know, the opening return went for a long return. Uh, there's a lot to figure out before you go to say, you know, you have Cincinnati come in, to a sold-out Memorial Stadium, uh, and, and I assume that Cincinnati is going to still be a top-10 team by then. Uh, and and yeah. now all, all – I assume Indiana is out of the top 25 uh, when, when polls come out tomorrow. So, you know, all these great things that you had preseason, being ranked, you know, all these preseason All-America. All you know, as Tom Allen said, it means Jack right now. You just got your brains beat in at Iowa. It, it's time to – you know, fix things. So I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet. Um, but there are things that need to get fixed. And if they don't get yeah. fixed, um, especially along the offensive line and in the offensive game planning, um, you know, people, people are going to end up losing jobs uh, and, and things like that, unfortunately. So because that window is not staying open forever. And, you know, you only have, you know, a year or two before windows start closing or close completely and you're, you're scrambling. You, you've seen it before. I mean, heck, Clemson lost the opener. and People already said their windows closed. So uh, final thoughts on. Well, we'll get into our, our betting segment, TJ. So if you don't like betting, here is your warning. We are going into our betting segment presented by Sportsbet. So you can tune us out, um, turn us off, whatever you want to do. Um, but look, we, we put in some research in this. We're not just guessing. 
and and whatever it turns out to be turns out to be. There are some great games, TJ, on the slate this week. There is no line for the Indiana-Idaho game that I could find on points bet just because Idaho is an FCS team. But let's start with the headliner in the Big Ten this weekend, uh, Oregon at Ohio State. Points bet has the Buckeyes favored by 14 right now. Uh, what's your take? Ohio State looked really good in week one um, with those receivers. Oregon, they hung on and um, hung on to beat Fresno State. Uh, they were trailing late in that game against the, the fighting uh, Kalen DeBoers. But, uh, you know, was it a case of them overlooking it to, to get to Ohio State? But it's a 9 a.m. body clock kick for Oregon, which is tough. Um, and I, I, I'm tempted to take Oregon, Oregon with the points, just cause 14 is a lot of points for a team that's in the top 25 going to Ohio state. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I'd love to know what Kayvon Thibodeau status is prior to, uh, placing a wager on this one. Um, for those that don't know, Kayvon Thibodeau, likely the best defensive player in the country, uh, defensive lineman for the Ducks. He left their week one contest, uh, was seen in a walking boot. They believe it's, quote, not serious. That doesn't tell us if he's going to play against Ohio State or how effective he's going to be against Ohio State. Uh, the Buckeyes, incredibly explosive on offense. Uh, I do think that they have some issues to address on defense. Um, Oregon, a very physical team, which, you know, if you don't pay attention to them, you might not expect that, but they are a very physical team. I think they can do some of the same things that Minnesota was able to do uh, against Ohio State. I would take the plus 14, um, but again, I, I, I do want to, what Kayvon Thibodeau's status is prior to making that wager because he is a difference maker. Yeah, he's arguably the best player in the country uh, and uh, best de defensive player in the country. Uh, next, we go out to uh, up to Syracuse for Rutgers uh, at Syracuse. Rutgers beat the doors off of Temple in week one. Rutgers is a two-point road favorite up in the Dome. Uh Syracuse is one and zero. They they they've come off a bad year, uh, bad two years actually. Uh, who, who do you like this? Do, do you like Rutgers as a road favorite, or are you taking the home team uh, with the two points? So I don't like Rutgers as a road favorite. Uh, however, I will take them in this game because I don't trust Syracuse at all. Uh, they haven't beaten anyone of note for the past few seasons. Uh, I, I don't really trust Dino Babers at this point. I think that his time at Syracuse is coming to an end. Uh, I'm taking Rutgers here. I think they're a program on the ascendancy. Give me the Scarlet Knights at minus two. I'll hold my nose and hope that it works out. Uh, next, we go over to Illinois. Uh, they travel to Virginia. Illinois, as awesome of a week one win that they had against Nebraska, they came back and lost to to uh, UTSA, which I thought, you know, that was a chance for, for them to get upset there. We talked about it in our, uh, in our uh, conference previews. Uh, it, Illinois yeah. is a 10-point underdog. It is in, 
an, a weird 11 a.m. kickoff Eastern time uh, over at Virginia, probably an ACC network game. Um, does Illinois bounce back or is this, uh, you know, which Illinois team, Illinois team are you, are, are, are we going to get against Virginia? Well, the concern would be that, you know, there's a little bit of tape on Illinois. Now they're unable to take people by surprise, which they did in Nebraska. Now, granted Scott Frost appeared to be surprised that you were allowed to line up with different numbers, of defensive linemen, um, than, than what he thought they were going to, and they failed to adjust to that. So the bar wasn't real high, but it does look like uh, UTSA, at least, was able to, to figure, out, uh, figure out that complex defense, if you will. Um, hit the sarcasm there. Uh, I, I'm concerned about Illinois' play at quarterback. Um, I don't think that they have a good one on the roster. And they might not even have a serviceable one. Uh, and without that, they are not yet equipped to just pound you like Brett Beal and the teams likely will be at Illinois in the future. Uh, Virginia was impressive in week one against William and Mary, which is typically a, a decent FCS program. They won 43 to nothing, but you know, don't think of them. The atmosphere should not be too much to handle. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think you can trust Illinois on the road. And even though 10 points is quite a bit for what might be a low-scoring contest, uh, I will go with Virginia. Our, uh, our final Big Ten game to pick, TJ, uh, we're going to go all the way back out to Iowa. Iowa at Iowa State. Iowa looked awesome um, against Indiana. Uh, they're getting four and a half points at Iowa State who struggled to beat Northern Iowa. Um, Iowa historically has owned Iowa State is four and a half points, just too good not to bet on the Hawkeyes here. The line doesn't make much sense to me, which is why I'm hesitant. Uh, typically, when a line kind of stinks, like the Florida State Notre Dame line did last night, like the UCLA LSU line did, Typically, they're begging you to take the team that, that it seems like it's a no-brainer to take uh, because they know something you don't. Uh, I just, look, Iowa State, I haven't really bought in uh, to the top 10 hype for that program. Uh, I think Matt Campbell's a really good coach, and I think they've got some incredibly good players. Brock Purdy's very good at quarterback, Brees Hall. Uh, good running back. I think they've got a good defense. Not a great defense, though. I think Iowa's definitely better on that side of the ball, while Iowa State is better on the offensive side of the ball. Um, wait for the over-under to come out on this game. I would think you'd take the under, um, and I would also take Iowa as the underdogs. Uh, again, just based on what we saw in week one, and what Iowa does historically to the Cyclones, I, I would be pretty hard-pressed to see Iowa State as the four-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. But um, I do think it's going to be one to take the under on the over-under. And I would take Iowa to win this one straight up. Uh, you get some extra juice there 
uh, taking them on the money line, which that is not out on the sites that I'm looking at yet, but I would guess you'll probably be able to get them at something like a, a plus one, I don't know, maybe a plus 190, maybe a plus 200 on the money line uh, to be able to take Iowa to win straight up. Yeah, um, the money line is not out for that game just yet. Uh, it's predi prediction time. Uh, we always save this for last. Uh, TJ, what is your prediction for Indiana this weekend? All right. So Indiana, uh, like you said, no line on this game, so we can't pick them to cover. I would think if a line was out, it would be something in the 20s. Um, I, I do think that Indiana as a program is pretty stable in the way that they will respond to this. I don't think you're going to see a lot of knee-jerk reactions from the coaching staff. Uh, I think they're going to see a lot on the tape that they really makes them angry and that they want to change. Uh, but I think that you're going to see largely the same personnel you saw last week, and they're going to be given a chance to correct the errors that we saw in week number one. Um, I do think that they play much better. Obviously, it's going to be a much different atmosphere. Um, I'm going to take Indiana to win this game. Really impossible to, to predict a score when we know next to nothing about Idaho, and we have a lot of doubts about Indiana on one side of the ball uh, and what we're going to see out of them. So I think the offense is going to play a lot better. I like the defense. Uh, to, we've seen Tom Allen defenses against overmatched offenses. They typically lock down pretty well. Uh, it's not usually a defense that gives up a lot of garbage points. So I'll go uh, Idaho 13, one touchdown, two field goals. Idaho 13, the Hoosiers, uh, I'm going to give them 45. So 45 to 13 in favor of IU. Is that is that good enough to quell the fan base, 45-13? Um, I don't know. Good question. I don't know. I think it will depend on what it looks like. Honestly, though, for me, regardless, even if IU looks awesome, I will be in wait-and-see mode. If they look horrible, I mean, yeah, I'll be really worried going into Cincinnati. But even if they look great on Saturday, it will help quell anxiety for me personally. I can't speak for anybody else. It will help quell anxiety for me for the remainder of the season. But for that Cincinnati game, it will be wait and see. And I will be back to kind of cautiously optimistic. Um, I don't think that IU can – do anything on Saturday to wash away what happened in Iowa City. Uh, they can against Cincinnati, but I don't think they can against Idaho. Uh, but you can certainly make things worse. Yeah, I, you know, Tom Allen, I, it doesn't seem like he's the guy to run up the score. I wish it, it would because this would be a nice game to come out and just lay the hammer down and, and run up the score if you can uh, and things like that. But he's not going to embarrass the other team. Um, he's not going to do like what Kevin Wilson did against Indiana state and, and things like that. But you also 
you know, you can't take – you can't sit on the football in the second half with the backups in. I, that's not how you develop your team and develop depth and things like that. So I, I'm going to take – Indiana's going to break out of their slump uh, offensively. I think they they score 49 points. I think the defense, we, we've seen them shut out people in the in the past who are overwhelmed. I'm not going to call for a shutout. I do think that Idaho could do some things offensively, um, you know, to put points up on the board. Uh, but I'm going to go 49-10, TJ. I don't think they get the second field goal. Um, but 49-10, I don't think I, I hope that they don't just sit on the ball in the second half with their backups in. I, I hope that they're a little bit more aggressive and take the tra- you know take the breaks off of off of uh, Jack Tuttle. Yeah, let Donovan McCulley do some things as well, um, and then hopefully nobody gets hurt. That, that's the big thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But that does it for today's podcast, TJ. Thanks for for joining us as always. Uh, listening. As well, uh, head to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football coverage uh, heading into the game this week and the rest of the season. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, Hoosier underscore Huddle. And we also appreciate everybody who came out to the tailgate at Iowa. It was a great time. Uh, TJ, we'll see you next week to preview Cincinnati. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. 
Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 